You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia, the editor of Modern Restaurant Management and your host. Today we're going to be talking about restaurant staffing, which has gone through a big evolution over the past few months. Um, and we're talking with Mary Hamill, who is a VP Solution Engineering at Forth. Welcome, Mary. Please give us a little bit of your background and your role and some of the changes that just have been happening at Forth. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, my um, adult career has really been spent in the restaurant industry. I, I've loved it. It got me through college. Um, it was my career through having my children. And I've done all sorts of things, worked in the restaurants directly for about the first 10 years, and then ran HR, IT, and training teams for a couple of restaurant companies. And so I, I have a passion for it. I joined the Hot Schedules team about eight years ago and uh, went to the other side of the business, which is the supplier side, um, where it, it's actually been um, pretty, pretty amazing because I have the opportunity to work with all sorts of restaurant companies of all sizes and to get, their know, their, get to know their business and, um, and hopefully help them, you know, solve some of their business problems. So, so that's a little bit about me. And, you know, I'm, I'm with our parent company, which is called Fourth Enterprises today. So many of you know us as Hot Schedule. So one of the exciting things that happened, and it was in July of 2019, is actually Hot Schedules and Fourth Hospitality, which was a big UK-based company, merged. And, um, you know, the, the idea was to really provide this global portfolio of hospitality-focused solutions and services that really span labor management, inventory and supply chain, task management, reporting and analytics, and HR and payroll services. You know, if you, we looked at the UK business, um, it was really pretty incredible uh, what Forth had done there. And they really went out with this mission to provide end-to-end services and solutions, technology solutions for, hospita- for hospitality companies. You know, if you think about that employee life cycle where they apply for a job, they're hired, they're scheduled, they're paid, and at some point they may leave or they're taking inventory. You know, all those things are things that touch restaurant employees, restaurant manager, hotel managers, and you know, what UK, the UK team of Forth was doing is providing those solutions. And so as we look to the US, it's much more fragmented. And we thought, what a great opportunity to combine these companies to provide end-to-end solutions for the, for the industry. And so as Hot Schedules, we really focus primarily on restaurants. And what we're really excited about is to continue to do that. Like, so much of our development efforts go into building solutions specifically for the restaurant industry, but we're also very excited to branch out now into the hospitality industries of hotels or retail. And um, and that's one of the most exciting things about our merger back from 2019. So you're in the trenches. You're talking to restaurant owners of all sizes. So what do you feel is this new normal? And will the old normal ever return? 
You know, it's a it's a great question because the the new normal. I think everybody's still trying to figure that out, and you know, we've seen um, some of our restaurant uh, customers, especially in the quick service and fast casual. Um, really be in a great state for this COVID thing that happened. More carry out, drive through, less dine in. Um, but we've also seen more of the new normal in table service, which is the drive up, the, the delivery, um, more carry out. And that's really the, the new norm is people are eating at home more. And these table service restaurants that had so much of their businesses dine in are figuring out ways to provide these meals at home. And that is the new norm right now. And, you know, I, I don't know about, about you, but I've been out to eat a few times and it seems to be getting busier and busier in within the four walls as far as, far as table service goes. And so that trend seems to be shifting back. We've actually seen it in um, in the numbers as well. So with our solutions, we can we can understand where that revenue is actually being driven. And we are starting to see the in-room dining um, or I'm sorry, not in-room dining, but but table in in restaurant dining to to take an uptick. So carry out at one point was at about seventy percent, and we're seeing that now um, really dip down a little bit. So we're getting back to a little bit more of a prior COVID state, but I don't think from what we're seeing and in talking to our customers that that really happens until we really get through COVID. So until a vaccine and people are comfortable returning to their old dining out patterns. That's right. And and many, many of our, um, you know, the, the uh, casual theme restaurants or table, table service restaurants are really looking at rebranding and doing something a little bit different. And rebranding might be a stretch, but they're looking at more you know, morphing some of their business into takeout only. So you're seeing some shift in table service restaurants to broaden the spectrum of the way they service guests and create other types of footprint that are, are carry out only as an example. So what were some of those key factors for some of your clients that were able to kind of do this pivot and rebranding um, that made them be able to do it, you know, that, that they were successful in, in putting that part of their business um, to the forefront at this point. Yeah. When, when COVID first hit, um, I think there were restaurant organizations that reacted very smart and very quickly and some that, that didn't. And um, those that reacted very quickly figured out even in their, you know, their bigger, bigger footprints, how to do uh, carry out really well. Right. And it, it's always been a growing business over the last many years, but they had to figure out how to do it really well. How do I do drive up? How do I, you know, facilitate deliveries? Um, and for those that reacted really well, they figured out how to do it. They changed some, some of the menu act, um, offerings. They did more packs and packaging and it really took off. And I think for those that figured that out, they just took it to the next level and figured out how do I now grow a business kind of separate from table service to, to continue that growth. So, so that's what we, we've seen within specifically the table service. Obviously, changing up a business model impacts staffing. So what are you hearing are the new pain points for restaurant owners and managers about staffing? Um, is it labor costs, keeping labor on board, 
um, employee health and safety, or just a combination of all these factors? Yeah, it, it's really it's really all of those things. But but I'll tell you, um, you know, people have come to us for many different reasons. And if I just think about hot schedules in general, it was and that the labor platform it was to 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 control costs, drive revenue. And when COVID hit, it was really about driving revenue. And so when you think of your your labor um, as sales dip, labor automatically gets cut, right? You you can't survive in running the same amount of labor on 40% of your sales. And so, you know, what originally happened, I think, is people cut back too far and weren't able to drive revenue in those, um, you know, drive or uh, carry out or, you know, drive up or deliveries. And so the the real key is to make sure you have the right staffing levels to drive revenue. And so you saw a lot of servers, for example, that were running carryout, um, and that made made that shift. Um, and they put more and more staffing uh, into those carryout positions or those drive up positions. Um, but all the same while using those servers to do it because they're so great in front of customers. They have that hospitality gene. And so that same type of experience when you roll down your window and have your food brought out to you, a happy person. And, and granted, you have to see that in the eyes now, right? But, um, you know, that same disposition. So the, the, the biggest mistake that we saw in some restaurants was cutting back too, too much. But when you focus on driving revenue, it's putting the right people at the right time and those peak business periods to make sure you have as much throughput as you possibly can. How do you kind of help your clients um, to kind of figure this out? Yeah, it, it um, you know, the other interesting thing is, um, you know, a lot of our customers took the time to say, hey, it's time that we kind of reevaluate the way we staff. And and they did look to us to help them to help them do that. And um, it was about what we call labor optimization. So how do I use kind of what's happening from my sales, you know, very little dine-in, much more takeout? How do I use that information to drive the right staffing levels? And, and that's where we've, we've been able to help a, a lot of our customers over time, but specifically during COVID. It's where are those peak periods of the business, but where you also need to run efficiently, meaning you can cut back on your labor. So doing those things are, are very important. I think the other thing, and you mentioned this in the prior question, was to health and safety. Um, sometimes I think we forget as consumers how, first of all, how hard it is to work in restaurants. And it is a hard job, right? It is such a hard job. And it just got harder. Um, and so they're worried about their families you know, they're worried about staying safe and healthy. And and so we worked with a lot of our customers on a um, basically a health survey that would allow for employees to give their health status before they ever walked into the restaurant. Because if you think if an employee comes to work and then you take their temperature or then you ask them questions, it's really too late. They're already in your establishment and could have passed on um, you know, uh, a virus. And so you really want them to be able to communicate to say, I'm not, I'm, you know, I shouldn't come in. So we developed a health survey. We worked with our customers to do this. They would allow the employees to give feedback on had they been exposed to COVID or have um, been tested, so on and so forth. And of course, we're very careful of, about this for any of the HR folks that are, are listening. But, um, but we wanted them, we wanted managers to be able to, to, to get people to work that they knew were going to be safe to work. 
Um, the other thing that we found that was in, extremely important was the, the communication between managers and their team members and, and how do you continue to increase engagement. And, and that's something that we've always been about. You know, we've done, designed our solutions to really be about um, taking care of the manager and the employee first, making their lives easier. So this communication, being able to communicate constantly, being able to release your shift if you're not feeling well, have somebody else pick it up. You know, those are all the kinds of things that we saw really an increase in usage on over this time period of COVID. So we've definitely seen a lot of technology adoption this year from restaurants that had never considered technology before. Do you see that continuing and how does that affect the restaurant workforce? You know, or are we going to see an employee model shift that they'll be handling multiple positions or will, you know, AI and other factors come in that will, um, you know, influence efficiency and kind of change the role of a, a restaurant employee? Yeah, you know, study after study shows that technology can lead to higher retention or lower turnover, higher job satisfaction. So there's a lot of studies out there with respect to that. But specifically in COVID, you know, what what some of our customers realize, they're asking their managers to do more and more. Just to remain at the current level, you have to use technology to make you more efficient. And, um, and so I, I think what technology will do and I think, well, let me just say that sometimes the fear is technology will replace people. That's true. I, I believe that. But if we think about restaurants, um, the reality is you have to have technology to just run efficiently today in with, with COVID. And when you use this technology, again, I'll go back to lower retention, higher job satisfaction, because now that they're asking to do more and more, you've got to help them run more efficiently and perform their job functions more efficiently. So we, you know, I don't, once you go down the technology path, rarely do you go back. I don't know if you remember the times when they put kitchen display systems in is, you know, was there an ROI around kitchen display systems? Well, there absolutely was. You might not recognize it at first, but if you talk to anybody that put one in, they would never go back to paper tickets. It's the same with scheduling and, you know, hot schedules that we've grown our business by people moving from one restaurant to the next and saying, hey, where's hot schedules? We need to get that in there for us to run efficiently. So, you know, we've been, you know, we've been on the, the receiving end of that. But but technology is just required now to to be able to to run your business. There's there's no way to do it without it. Um, in so many cases, one of the great benefits of technology is access to data. Um, and I know sometimes the data can be overwhelming. Um, so how does a how does a restaurateur kind of field their way through all of that data and understand what's important to them? That has been one of the top um, conversations that we've had with restaurant owners and multi-unit o- um, operators or CEOs, because many of them are not going back into the restaurants right now, right? They might go, they might have been in the restaurants every day. Well, maybe they're only going in 50% of the time. And I think there's varying degrees of that depending on the thoughts and feelings of, of the owner operators. Um, but what what we found that they need is a better ability to analyze their business from their home. 
And to do that, you have to have some pretty good reporting and, and analytics to interpret that data. The last thing an owner operator wants to do is sit in front of a computer for, for hours a day. That's not what made them become owner operators, right? So, um, so, so they want insights into their business and they want to be able to drill down. You know, I, I, that's probably the, the ability to provide that for our customers is one of the most exciting things for me personally about our merger with Forth. Um, and that was because this robust analytics platform, um, became available to us and to all of our hot schedules, um, users. And it truly allows you to dive into your business and look at the details. And that probably, again, is one of the top conversations we have because restaurant owner operators or CEOs or CFOs are not walking back into the restaurants nearly as much. You wrote an article for MRM earlier in this year, and you had a really great line that struck out to me. Um, the clearer the data, the more enlightened the vision. How do you feel that this relates to restaurants and what restaurant owners should be paying attention to now? Yeah, it's funny because um, when I think about that, I, I, when, when I said that, when I think about my time in one of my restaurant companies that I work in, we had 87 alerts going out to our restaurant operators, literally with data. And nothing was clear. You know, when, when data is not clear or clean or, or just even um, minimal, your, your operators don't know what to focus on. And saying that you need clear, concise data is saying it needs to be to the point, needs to be actionable. And, and those are really the key things, right? The information that you get out to your operators has to be actionable. I understand what my labor costs are and I understand why they are that, where they, what they are and what I can do to improve that or change that. So that is how clear and concise that we, we really need to be. Are there examples of data that people should be paying attention to right now that um, will give them uh, better footing to move forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, w one of the opportunities we typically see when we bring in new customers is, you know, their, their labor costs might be um, may, may be higher than what they anticipate, but they don't know exactly why and or where. And so being able to understand um, where the issues lie is what's critical. And, and I'll just give you an example. Um, many of our customers say, okay, if you're going to do a $10,000 uh, day, um, and, and I'll be really rough here, you, you get, you know, uh, 200 hours of labor. Okay. But where do you put that 200 hours of labor? And some restaurants might run 200 hours of labor, but it's in the wrong spot. They don't have nearly enough people during their peak hours of business, and they have way too many during the shoulders of the business. You've got to be able to dissect that and say, okay, I know that my problem is that I'm four people short at lunch. That's why my sales are declining. You know, if you're doing a $2,000 lunch and you're staffed for a $1,500 lunch, eventually you're going to do a $1,500 lunch. And, and that's the message, right? It's, okay, your labor costs are not in line, but why and where? So the ability to dissect that and say, okay, I know my problem is at lunch and that's where I'm going to start to address it. So that's probably the, one of the best examples that I, that I can give you. Everybody is struggling now. What's some advice that you can give to people um, as they're struggling and they're anticipating struggling throughout the winter, um, you know, possibly until a, a vaccine is more readily available? Um, 
what are what are the things that they can do to survive? Yeah, I you know pro- probably the number one thing, and, and again, this is coming from someone that's worked uh, um, in human resources, but uh, but it's it's really to take care of that staff. You know, I think people underestimate sometimes the cost of replacing an employee. And, um, and it's hard to keep all your employees right now. If your sales are down, you may, you may not have enough spots, right? But, but taking care of those employees, make sure they're communicated to and that you keep them is going to be, is going to be critical, critical. And that's providing a safe place to work. Um, you know, that is engagement and communication with them is understanding their needs, helping them get the schedules that they want, um, making their life and job as efficient as possible, um, and so we always encourage people to look at the business as a whole, whether it's labor or the way you're managing inventory and understand how you can make those tasks as easy as possible to, to support your staff. I, I think the other thing is, you know, is is really understanding what are the most optimal ways to drive revenue through your business. I mean, that truly is what everybody struggles with. And I really encourage people to, you know, look under the under the hood, if you will, on on what the issues are. If you do have them, you know, with your throughput or with your sales building techniques um, and and try to ensure that you've got the proper staffing levels through those peak periods of business. So, you know, I wish there was a magic um, wand that I could wave to, to fix everything. Um, we've got so many smart customers and we're, we're so, um, it's so beneficial to us to be able to have those conversations every day. But I would say those are the things that we find they're talking about the most. Are there any trends that you've noticed or maybe silver linings that COVID has kind of, um, put a spotlight on? You know, I think, um, so, so I'll t- tell you one trend that is not really changing, that is pr- not silver lining either, but it's compliance. It's something we haven't talked about. So you look at COVID coming along at the same time, you know, minimum wage, I believe, um, was raised in, uh, I'm probably going to get this number wrong, but 18 states in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, minimum wage continues to go up. Compliance with fair work week and uh, predictive scheduling is growing across the country. We've seen states and some um, jurisdictions already implement those laws, not really back off during COVID. And it is extremely difficult to manage, extremely difficult to manage. So I think that's been one of the more difficult things to manage pre-COVID was the predictive scheduling and fair work week and all those labor laws around it. And then you add COVID and it makes it even even more difficult. to answer your question on the silver lining, boy, that's tough. And I think restaurant operators might go, I don't see any silver lining in this. But uh, it's just the, the, you know, the step back and evaluating their businesses. And so we've seen some of our restaurant um, companies have been so smart. Like they've really understood how to capitalize on the deliveries and drive up business. And it's been amazing. And if that's if that's anything, it could be the silver lining is is when we come out of COVID, they're going to be that much better because now they've opened up the, their business to multiple different avenues. So again, I would shy back on actual silver lining from COVID, but, but that may be one. And you brought up minimum wage and predictive scheduling. And, you know, those are issues that, um, you know, were kind of the forefront of 
staffing problems or staffing issues that people were um were going to have to deal with and now they're they're not necessarily the the top of mind at the moment um but you deal with restaurants across the country and you're seeing these different things that are taking place do you feel that they are going to become the norm throughout the country yeah i you know I think there's a um the the impact um of the, the change in the presidency um could potentially uh change what's happening you know with the the Trump presidency and um, we definitely see more power shifted to the states where the states are making their the predictive scheduling laws it kind of pulls away from federal that potentially could change I don't know that I see it changing in 2021 but but possibly um and so to answer your questions, though, I do believe that you're going to see more fair week and predictive scheduling legislation go throughout the company as more and more states and areas adopt it. Um, you know, uh, I think you'll see it happen in in more areas. And, and it's interesting, the spirit of the predictive scheduling or fair work week regulation is actually good. It's really there to help the employee. But the practicality of it is is where it it's so difficult, and I don't want to get in trouble with this, but I truly believe some of the people that write these laws have never worked in the restaurant industry because it would be written differently. Um, but uh, but it, it it's grown, right? We are seeing predictive scheduling grow more and more. So I do think that that's going to happen in more states. Last question: um, What's your outlook for the restaurant industry for twenty twenty one and beyond? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's all dependent on what happens with COVID, right? Does a vaccine come out? At what period of time are, you know, those that want to be vaccinated actually vaccinated? Um, and so I, I think that that's the, that's the dependency, but I, I think people are lonely. I think people want to go out to eat. I think we're seeing it now. I mean, if you would look at the amount of people that are dining in compared to what it looked like in April, it's drastically different. We can see that in our, in the, in the sales numbers and, um, and so I think that, um, I don't think we're going to get back to 2019 in 2021. Uh, but I do think we're going to be shifting that way because I think the, the, the people are, are dying to get back out to restaurants and eat and to travel and to stay in hotels and, and things like, th things like that. So I think we'll be back there sometime. I just don't know that it'll be fully back in 2021. So do you think some of the same, uh, elements that were affecting the industry before um, the personalized experience that these things will become even more in the forefront um, when people are more comfortable. Yeah, they, they will. I mean, to get out to a hundred percent capacity, you know, these restaurants are going to have to put tables back in and people are going to be slit, sitting closer together. And I don't see the, you know, those sales numbers and table service for in in um, restaurant dining, getting to where they they were prior prior to COVID, um, but I, I think you just hit on something. It is that that personalized service um, will continue to be important. You know, people do want to dine in places where they get great service, but uh, I, I don't think that goes away or really changes. I just think it's going to be a bit before we get to a sales, you know, um, number across the restaurant industry that we were prior to COVID, at least not in 2021. Thank you so much, Mary. This was great. 